Hello again, everyone. This is Dan Duva. It's SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. Alex Petrangelo, all-star defenseman and perennial Norris Trophy candidate, has signed with the Golden Knights. And the former Blues captain joins us today for an in-depth conversation. We cover it all. Why leave the Blues? Why choose Vegas? Who he knows on the Golden Knights? His background, his roots, his family. Thoughts on Vegas as a city, as an organization, as a hockey team. We also talk about other VGK transactions today. Schmidt and Stastny traded. Nosek and Stevenson re-signed. The goalie situation. And are there more moves coming from George McPhee and Kelly McCrimmon? It's all next on SLGND. The Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. Dan, thanks very much. The Sheriff Lawless, Some Guy Named Dave, brought to you by the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all here on a real special edition here of the SLGND podcast. We are joined by the newest Golden Knight, Alex Petrangelo, joining us. Alex, welcome to Vegas. Welcome aboard. Uh, I would imagine it's been a crazy few days for you. You mentioned, you know, you, you did a, a media Zoom earlier today. And, you, you know, the Golden Knights, you, you came here over last weekend on kind of a little, almost like a recruiting trip. What was it like? What do they show you of Vegas? And how did you decide this is the place you wanted to be? Uh, I guess first off, going into it, I had no idea what to expect. It's obviously a different, you know, year with the cap and the pandemic. And I didn't know who was going to call or what. I mean, we knew there'd probably be some teams interested. Um and then I guess when when we talked to uh, to Vegas and and there was interest on both sides, um, you know, I, I knew obviously playing against them and playing uh, against Pete's teams, I knew it was a good fit uh, style wise. That was the one thing I wanted to check off the list. But for me, it was going out there. I was somewhat familiar with the city outside of the Strip. Um, I had played golf out there. I'd been out there. Uh, it was more for my wife to kind of see it, and she didn't really know a whole lot other than obviously what Vegas is known for. So I said, let's just go out there and just check it out. I said, I think this is a good fit for us if it'll work. So, you know, the X's and O's of the game with Pete, you know, those are what they are. I've played the game for a long time, but I wanted to meet Kelly. I wanted to meet George and I wanted to meet Bill. And I know Kelly said something about it. It felt like I was interviewing them, but you know, I was, I wanted to make sure I'm going somewhere that shares the same passion for winning that I do. And that might sound like a cliche, but you know, after you've won, you want to do it again. And if you're going to commit to somewhere for uh, for seven years, you you better be sure that you know everything's on the same page. And you know they want to win, and I you know I've won, and I want to do it again. So we liked what we heard, we liked what we saw. My wife felt comfortable. So after that, I just let it up to the the big boys go to work and and hammer it out and get it done. Alex, the commitment you talk about with the Golden Knights. Anybody who's followed the NHL in the last decade knows about your commitment to St. Louis. And I'm sure a lot of people who are fans of yours in St. Louis are listening to us right now. And you've got fans in Vegas who are now going to be your new biggest fans. I wonder what you might say to those listening in St. Louis who have known you through your career, where you've been your whole career, and what you might say to your new fans in Las Vegas. Yeah, I mean, first off, St. Louis. I mean, look, it's my heart's always going to be here. My kids are born here. My wife's from here. Our family's here. Our friends are here. I mean, there's... I'm not going to lie about it. I know what it, it means to us as a family. So it's obviously important. I think the hardest thing is to pull me away from the people here. We love the people. Uh, again, we've developed relationships here. I've 
got to know a lot of people through my wife and, and there's a reason why uh, we pretty much spent you know the year round in St. Louis up until now but I think uh, the people in Vegas need to know the reason why I wanted to go there is I wanted the same commitment you know that they were, they were showing me I wanted to make sure we we're on the same page with that I wanted to go somewhere that I could commit and build something and I think if you look at Vegas having you know only been around for a few years the success that they've had they want to continue to build a winning culture you know I, I've I've you know, spent a lot of time in St. Louis and, and we built that here. And I think for me, it's a good challenge to go there and try and continue to, you know, make these guys better. And, and I've, I've said before, it's, it's about winning and creating that culture is important to me. And going into a new franchise is obviously a, a new challenge for, I think, everybody who's gone there. And um, I'm looking forward to it. You know, we get to watch you play and there is, you know, there's obvious parts of your game that we can see that separate you from a lot of players. What is something that we don't see, that we don't know about you, that makes you one of the five best defensemen in the world right now? Uh, I take pride in the little things. I mean, you can look at the stats, you can look at highlights, and you know, I'm obviously not a flashy player, but it's the little things that I think go a long way. Winning battles, you know, setting picks, moving the puck, communication on the ice, opening up space for your partner or the forwards or the teammates, uh, putting guys in position to uh, to have success all over the ice, reading the play. I think those are the things for me that I take pride in that I've worked on over the years that I think, you know, having played with, you know, some players th- throughout my career, I-, I learned that those things are just as important as everything else. So I think the leadership aspect of it too, I think, uh, Again, having been through what I've been through, especially over the last two years, I think I could really help. Uh, I can really help in that department. So something that maybe goes on behind the scenes, but and I, I, I you guys probably heard I called Theo this morning, and you know I've I've you know worked with Preco here too, and we had a great relationship, and you know him playing at a high level too helped me, and and I helped him. So I think me and Theo can kind of you know bring that same element. I might as well follow up on that. Just Shea Theodore, uh, as you and everybody around the league really saw for a guy, you know, he battled cancer last summer, came in this year, and from December on, just really elevated his game to elite status. Uh, so I wonder him or anybody else, you know, Mark Stone, that you've maybe be happy not to play against, but uh, just what you see in Shea's game that makes you excited and uh, where you think he can get to and maybe some of the other players, your new teammates that you're excited to be on the ice with. Well, uh, let's circle the big boy, Revo. Um, <laughs> you know, we're buddies, but I mean, we've had a few unfriendly words since we parted ways, right? His job is to get under my skin, so and he does that. So let's get that one out of the way. Um, <laughs> you, you know, a guy like Stoner, again, not, does everything that you want in a player. He does a lot of things that people don't, don't see, right? All the small things, all the intangibles that you want in a player. You know, Theo, I wish I could skate like him. I'm not going to lie. I can't skate like him. So when you watch him get around the ice, it's pretty impressive. And, you know, I really felt when I was, what is he, 24, 25, that's when I really started to find my game and and know who I was as a player. And, um, you know, I think it's a good combo. I think, you know, we're, we're different players, but... I think I can help, you know, open open him up a bit, maybe free him up a bit to kind of allow him to do his thing. So it's always easier when there's another guy. And him and, you know, Martinez played really well in the playoffs. I watched, you know, I don't watch a whole lot of hockey, but there wasn't much to do. So I watched hockey in Edmonton, and um, those guys played well. And I like the way the, the Pete gets the defenseman involved, similar to what, what we did here in St. Louis. So it's a good fit for me. Alex Petrangelo joining us, the newest Golden Knight on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. You know, Alex, you spent a dozen years 
in St. Louis, you outside that building, I think it's really cool, Enterprise Center, you've got these great statues, right, of Bernie Federico and Brett Hall and Al McInnes, and they all had great careers. None of them ever captained the Blues to a Stanley Cup like you did only 16 short months ago. So I guess maybe a two-part question. Did you think you were going to be a Blue for life? And when did it click in that that wasn't going to be the case? Yeah, I mean, I'm, I am i haven't lied to anybody about it. I mean, the goal was to get something done in St. Louis all along. I mean, you again, everybody knows my connection to the city from the family aspect and from the professional aspect. So, you know, the goal was to do that. I mean, I'm sure Army's goal was the same thing. Sometimes in this business, it doesn't work out the way you're expecting it to work out. And I think once uh friday at 11 central time came another team started calling and st louis was still in the mix i just that you know thought i'd sit back and with my wife and said we have to go into this thing with an open mind not knowing what to expect and just kind of go through the process and enjoy it and i think once we went to vegas and saw what the organization you know has and the way they operate and, and met with bill and talked to him and saw the passion that he has. I think it opened us, you know, our eyes to something new. And we said, you know, I, I think this could be a possibility if um, obviously if it doesn't work with St. Louis and it, and it didn't. And we, uh, we kind of moved forward and I wasn't going to go somewhere where she didn't feel comfortable and somewhere that I didn't feel comfortable. And if you're going to commit to something for that long with a young family, you want to make sure it's a good fit in all aspects. What's the hardest conversation you've had over the last couple of days with the news that you're moving on from St. Louis? Telling my mother-in-law. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It didn't go. It didn't go well with her. <laughs> you know, we were so you know, especially with a young, you know, a, a young baby, and and it's obviously it's a change for her, right? She can't pick up and drive over and all that. So, I think you know, even my wife, it's a big big decision for her. She's never left St. Louis, right? So for her, telling you know, me expressing my feelings about how I thought it would fit well for us professionally and as a family those are uncomfortable decisions and and i think everybody who's gone through it like i have and you've been somewhere your whole career it's uncomfortable and you know you're nervous and excited and there's a whole lot of emotion going on at the same time you just got to kind of roll with it and and go with the flow and and just accept a new challenge alex we're talking roots and family here and you you talk about your kids and and your wife and your mother-in-law more to the family, and we know there's uh, some hockey in the DNA. I'm sure the, the fans in Las Vegas would be interested in knowing your roots and how you got into hockey and some of the other members of your family who've been involved in the game. Yeah, I, my dad's cousin, uh, Frank, played with Pittsburgh, won a Stanley Cup uh, with Pittsburgh, which is kind of cool because last year when we had our party, he came by. Um, we didn't do a big thing, but he ended up stopping by. It was a bit of a drive. He made the trek, and we kind of found his name on there, which was kind of a cool story that we got to share that. You know, um, I, I started when I was five or six, like most kids in Canada. It was just, you know, it's just what you do. You just play hockey, right? And um, kind of worked my way up. And it wasn't a smooth start when I was a little kid. I didn't enjoy it a whole lot and moved on to junior, got drafted in the OHL. And I, I, I think as I became a pro and, and I got older and understood uh, the game more, I think I've enjoyed going to work more now than ever. And, and you know, realize that as time has gone on and I've played in the league for 700, I don't even know how many games, but um, time goes by fast and you got to enjoy every moment of it. So for me as a player, I I love the game. I've loved it now more than I ever have because I think you get a different appreciation for it once you see, you know, guys move on and go on and do different things and that don't play anymore. So 
And Alex, when we think about influences, you talk about enjoying mentoring younger players. Who were some of the people, coaches, et cetera, players who might have had a profound influence on you as you were coming up? Yeah, first player was probably Carlo Koliakov. He was my D partner. Um, we're, we're really, really good friends still to this day. Uh, we just had a good bond. He kind of helped me become the player that I am. And then David Backus, obviously, I learned a lot from him on how to be a leader, how to you know, work the structure of a team. And, and again, another very, very close friend of ours and, and um, family friend. Coaching wise, I mean, you know, there was some tough days with Ken Hitchcock. I hope he's listening right now because there's some days when you're, you know, you're button heads. And but at the end, uh, him and Brad Shaw, same thing. I, I speak very highly of him. He's in Columbus now. Those are the two guys that really helped me get to the next level when I was younger. They really, uh, you know, allowed me to become a better player. They challenged me to become a better player. And and, and I, I can't say enough good things too about the coaching staff in St. Louis right now too. I mean. There's a reason why uh, we've had success. They've challenged me coming in last year to become a better player too. So I think Chief and and Rhino have done a really good job of pushing me to become better. And, um, you know, that's why I am, you know, where I am today. Well, we, the, the, the other guys on this call all have different hockey history. Shane and I uh, from Canada, Dave from uh, from Rhode Island, and, and Dan from New Jersey. And I, I can remember when I first came to Vegas – and with my wife to look around and I left and at one point in time it kind of clicked in my head that uh, you know I'm this kid from Peterborough Ontario and I'm moving to to Vegas to work in hockey has there been a moment that you're from the outskirts of Toronto where you know have you said to what would what would little Alex Petrangelo say about big Alex Petrangelo going to play hockey in Las Vegas well I uh, I think Teenager Alex Petrangelo thinking of Las Vegas who didn't know there'd be hockey there either, right? It's that's the thing, and that's the thing that intrigues me the most is is just going around and I mean I've gone, I've played there and you know seen you know the the nights practice before we were practicing to see the fans and how they followed the team and they've you know taken the team with open arms. It, it really is you know confusing how there wasn't an NHL team there already or or any sports team really. It's it's pretty amazing and. Now with the NFL there, I think you what you're what you're seeing is that it's a great sports city. Um, I think every player in the NHL will say that it's the best arena to play in. It's become a great show, and um, it's it's pretty impressive the way they've really developed a bond with the city. And, and obviously, when you when you're good, people are going to come. So that first year certainly helped. Uh, Alex, just on that, and a lot of people, all listeners, you know, everybody sees NHL, you move. They, th- they feel it's part of the business, and you talked a lot about it. And this was your first opportunity to really explore it. Um, you know, I remember with kids, it's more than just a player moving. There's a family, there's kids, there's, there's so much more to it that, you know, the average fan maybe doesn't think about it. And, and you talked about how important for your wife to come here. Was there somebody you'd look to going through this experience for the first time? Some friends, some former teammates, uh, that maybe gave you some really good advice about how to, how to take it in for the first time? Yeah, you know, there's people here. I had called, you know, I called Chris Pronger not that long ago. We've become friends over the years just from, you know, both our wives are from St. Louis and there's obviously connection there. And uh, obviously David Backus went through it, being the captain of St. Louis. That was another difficult decision um, that he had to make for his family. And and being as close as we are to them, we know we're going to get a straight answer for them on what to expect. Um, 
I was joking, like if, if Patrick can do it with five kids, I mean, I could do it with four. Like how hard, you know. Yeah, <laughs> he, he, I think he added one while he was here, yeah, so that's yeah, a yeah. challenge. So you know, people do it. People, you know, move for work all the time. Um, so it, again, we knew it was going to be a challenge and uncomfortable for us, but we, we've known a lot of people that have done it and they've all succeeded. So that's why it was important for me to make sure that she flew out there with me. She did her homework and, and I did mine knowing that I could go to work every day, knowing that I'm going to a good team. Cause it's a lot more fun when you're winning. Alex, what do the next few months look like for you? I guess none of us know when the new season is going to begin. We're hoping early to mid January, but you know, you mentioned wife, four kids, four young kids. Uh, how do you handle all this over the next little while? Well, first thing is to find out when we're playing. I think that's the biggest thing. Um, once we get that down, I think we'll figure it out. We don't know if it's going to be a bubble or if it's going to be regular, if it's going to be, you know, shortened season. So that part, I think we're going to have to kind of go, you know, on with a flow and, and adjust to, to what the league says. Hopefully we get an answer to that real, real soon. Um, next is to find somewhere to live. Find somewhere that can accommodate our family. And, and again, we, we haven't really, you know, planned a whole lot, you know, yet. We don't really know. We're just going to kind of figure it out. Kids are in school here, so we don't really want to take them out until we absolutely have to. And we know we're ready to kind of move. So we'll probably uh, start packing up, the, you know, four kids. There's a lot of stuff in this house. A lot of stuff <laughs> that needs to go. I, mean, I might just throw half of it away and maybe they won't notice. But there's a lot of stuff that needs to be organized. So I'll probably spend a lot of time doing that. At some point, they'll drop the puck on next season, Alex. And having watched uh, the Golden Knights playoff run, playing against the Golden Knights, of course, a little bit uh, in the round robin, your sense of uh, this team and your addition puts them uh, perhaps even a notch better than they had been. What's your sense of this team's potential and what you think they can do? Well, there's there's been success here. I mean, probably the most successful you know, franchise in the first three years, I think in any pro sport, as far as I can imagine in terms of expansion, guys are committed, right? Guys want to be part of it. Guys, uh, you know, came here uh, wanting to prove everybody else wrong. They wanted to find a role and, and they're showing it. So um, they've come close. So I think guys, when you get a taste of it and you go to the finals, like, you know, I went to the conference finals, it makes you hungry and you're, you're, you want that uh, that little bit more to kind of to get that over that hump and win. And I hope I can do that. And I'm just here to do my job. I hope I can do it and take the team to the next level. I think, you know, I, I again, I, I've done my homework on the style of play and, and the coaching staff. And I think I fit in well. So I think uh, the adjustment, you know, should be fairly good for me uh, moving on to a new team. Alex, we know you've uh, this has been a crazy 48 hours for you. We really appreciate you carving out a few minutes to spend with us. Congratulations again. Thanks very much. Hopefully we'll yeah. see you in person soon. All right, guys. Sounds good. I'm excited. Thanks. And we thank Alex for joining us. Boy, guys, is he in it? He's got triplets that are 26 months and a newborn that's a month old. And he's going to be picking up the four kids and his wife in the not too distant future. Shane, you've... Look, you've done this. You've been down this road. Uh, you know, he played in the same spot a dozen years, but you, know, you asked him this when we were chatting with him, just the, you know, the challenges that that brings you, taking, you know, kids away from their friends and, you know, even, you know, school friends and everything else. Uh, that's that's a lot to wrap your, your head around, especially when you've been in the same place as long as he has. Well, even scarier what he said from his mother-in-law. Uh, yeah. that, that, <laughs> forget the friends and everything. That's... And, and you know what? That's that, that's the side, as I mentioned, a lot of people don't realize. And, and even a different scenario for him. Like, it's not often a guy has his whole career. So he went there as a kid. He met his wife. 
They've had children. Now the extended family, then all her friends, everybody is associated with St. Louis. It's almost, it's more rare than it is common uh, from what he has made the decision to move on from. Uh, it doesn't happen. Usually the guy's maybe got a couple teams or you know, a wife that's from somewhere else, not from that city where he actually played. And that's how entrenched he's been from being drafted by them, playing with them. Um, yeah, a very difficult decision, and, and he is in it, though. Uh, you know, likes what he saw from the organization, uh, you know, as a team standpoint, from Kelly, George, and Bill. Uh, you know, a lot of the, the pieces, the style of play, everything he said is, is exactly what you want to hear. Very well thought out. He's an intelligent guy. His hockey IQ is off the charts. He, he's, he's an elite, elite player, and he's a captain. All, all those things I could hear when he spoke. Uh, just leadership qualities, character, uh, his playing style. So just a huge addition here for the Vegas Golden Knight and a great conversation with him. Makes me wonder why Doug Armstrong didn't make it happen. You know, um, they won the Stanley Cup with this guy. He's 30. He just had statistically um, one of the very best seasons of his career. There's lots of good hockey uh, ahead of him. Like people will say, oh, it's a seven-year deal. Well, he, guys that play that at that high a level at 30, um, where will they be at 37? Probably still pretty high because <laughs> you don't you don't you don't drop off in a heartbeat. It's a gradual uh, descent. I you know, I think certainly um, at uh, 35, 36, there's still going to be uh, an elite player um, that we're talking about in him. So you just kind of I'm kind of confused as to how. It fell apart in in St. Louis, and maybe we'll never know. Uh, he, Alex said all the right things. Said that you know uh, that Doug Armstrong uh, referred to him as Army. Said that you know they they, they both tried and it just didn't work. So uh, um, uh, it'll be interesting, sort of, to see how he adjusts because uh, uh, as we've just heard from Shane, so much happened in St. Louis, including bringing them. Like you think about it, that franchise been around since the 60s and he's the first captain to 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 put the Stanley Cup beside himself in a convertible and roll through that town uh in a parade that's a big big legacy and um uh certainly to me it looks like uh, Kelly McCrimmon uh, has hit a massive home run in bringing this player to Vegas Gary to your point about why it didn't work in St. Louis. You know, there were reports that he had been offered eight for eight, so $64 yep. million over eight years. He, he got 61 61.2. 61.2 to come to Vegas, So, but, you know, for one last year. Once it got to the point where he wasn't going to go back to St. Louis, I mean, Doug Armstrong wasn't going to hedge his bets if they, if they couldn't work it out. He goes out and sounds Tory Krug on the first day of free agency. All right, so once Petrangelo is moving on, do you get a sense from talking to people you know around the league that – he was going to land anywhere else but Vegas, or do you think this, you know, this has been out there for a while that this was pretty high up on his list. Well, he didn't visit anywhere else. And yeah. uh, there were teams of space that I think, um, and, and certainly there were probably other conversations, but you get the, he, he wasn't going anywhere without visiting. So I think that after he came to Vegas, that was his first visit, so it was the top of his list. And I think after he came to Vegas, he had a lot to chew on. And then quickly they they, they got a deal. Uh, he would have landed somewhere else and maybe got more money. There were teams with more. Vegas 
didn't really have the cap space and is still over the cap by about a million dollars uh, at the time of this recording. So, um, yeah, I think he, he could have landed somewhere else, but uh, I think probably a real good job of convincing him to come here. And then, no, it's not a small contract. It's seven years times 8.8. It's, um, it's a lot of money for a long time. So it's uh, certainly that would, it, that ticked the box for him, but you get, I, I, you got to look after your family and you got to look after your hunger. And he had two things he wanted to do. Look after his family and win another Stanley Cup. And this is one of the few places that could could offer him that. And if you look at the structure of the deal, he's got a no-move clause. And then there's a ton of signing bonus money. Uh, the contract is smaller early on so that if, you know, if this year is prorated and, it, you know, with the 10% deferral and the potential of 20% escrow, he could get hurt a lot less with the lower salary and uh, a lot, $2 million in salary the first year, $3 million in signing bonus. But there's one year in this contract where there's $8 bucks of signing bonus. Not many teams can do that. Dan, it's amazing when you think about it, and I think I try to do this uh, as much as possible, keep the big picture in mind. This team's been in existence three years, and, and Alex touched on it on our chat with him that he, he can't imagine there's been a team in the history of sports that have had their first three years of success the way the Golden Knights have. But Kelly McCrimmon touched on this when he spoke about Sonny Petrangelo, and he said, and he mentioned the same thing when they traded for Mark Stone. Usually these type of players are not available. You know, Stone's younger than Petrangelo. He wasn't a free agent, but they make this blockbuster trade and then sign him to a lengthy extension. And then Petrangelo gets to the market, and it, and it just speaks volumes of everyone involved. What's been built here in three short years that if this isn't the top free agent destination in the league, then it's in the top two or three. Well, Alex said it, and he put it in two different ways, Dave. He said, number one, it's the most difficult place to play as an opponent. And he also said it's the best place to play in the NHL right now. Everyone agrees. So you think about it, not only is it a great destination, but opponents don't like coming to Vegas. So in a certain respect, if you can't beat them, join them. But that has been a trend that emerged quickly with this organization. And then it's another step for the organization to take advantage of it. You talk about the stone trade, the Pacioretty maneuvering, and, and other players who have been interested in coming here. Making it all work there's so much in the details when we talk about the Gary goes through the, the numbers, uh, the salary cap. Um, people want to be here. But the other side of it is, you know, when you're building a, a nucleus, you know, you can't keep everybody. And we know there have been some hard decisions for the Golden Knights right now. Listen, Nate Schmidt moves on. Paul Stastny moves on. There have been others throughout the brief history of this organization. And you balance the ability to acquire these guys who want to come here. But at the same time, boy, it can't be easy for George McPhee, Kelly McCrimmon, and the rest to move on from players who have had such substantial contributions to this franchise in its first three years. Shane, I was going to hit on that with you. And, and Dan, Dan mentioned Nate Schmidt. And I wonder <laughs> what the last few days have been like for him. You know what it's like. You played. You know what you sign up for, right? I can't it, it, imagine it makes it any easier. No. When this happened the way it happened with Schmidt. 
Yeah, and it, it's it's there's never an easy situation when you hear your name tossed around. Um, you know, especially for Nate Schmidt, who thought he'd be here long term. You know, the connection he had not only with the team with the Golden Knights, and we're talking about you know Nate Schmidt. The player, but Nate Schmidt, the human, we all know the character, the the enthusiasm he had, his infectious personality that just, you know, brings a smile to your face. He, he's that type of guy. He's a special human being. He's a great hockey player. Um, but to acquire a guy like Alex Petrangelo, that tough decision needed to be made. His salary was at the area where if they could dump him, his salary, that made room for Petrangelo and and. You know, it's it's never going to be easy for a player, but that's exactly what this business is about. It, it happens every year. Uh, great players get traded. We say it all the time. If Wayne Gretzky can get traded, anybody can get traded. That that's the the reality of being in the sports business. Um, for Nate, without question, difficult. Said he said it was last night was tough, and, and it would be. But knowing him. Today, he's going to talk to Vancouver. He's going to talk to everybody there. The excitement's going to start to grow about a new adventure. That's the mindset you need to have as a player. And he's the type of guy that will be able to adapt. He will hold Vegas very dear and near to his heart and the special runs they've had. But he will move on. And uh, it'll be tough that first time or maybe the first couple times you see him in a Canucks jersey. Uh, But he will quickly become the opponent uh, when he's on the ice, but a friend off the ice, as he always has been. Yeah, he's already done uh, his first call with the media there and uh, charmed the pants off them. They were. Uh, uh, it doesn't all, take long with him. No, right? it doesn't. No, no. But they're all. You go on Twitter. All the Vancouver media are talking about uh, uh, how fantastic he was, and uh, he spoke to Vegas and to Vegas fans early in his media uh, availability. Told the said how much he loved them and always would, and talked about how October one is something that will be um, part of his life forever, uh, and then proceeded to uh, you know. Be Nate Schmidt, uh, jovial, uh, enthusiastic. Uh, he's going to love Vancouver, and Vancouver is going to love him. It, listen, he, he, he didn't get sent to uh, to a gulag here. He, he's going to one of the most beautiful cities in the world. Uh, passionate fan base. Uh, he'll 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 enjoy his time in Vancouver, and it's it's going to be a new adventure for him. Yeah, and it is. This is one of the ones, Dave. I know, in all of us. Uh, you know, I had to really think about it when I heard the news last night, you know, why Nate, you know, and, and a lot of people, our fans or listeners are going to be saying the same thing. How can you let Nate Schmidt go? Well, this is where you have to take everything we just talked about out of the picture. This is where you have to look at it straight from a hockey perspective. And that's what, it, you know, for me, I had to do. And I talked to Dave this morning about this. And I said, you know, he's the high, you know, Nate Schmidt was making more than Shea Theodore. Was he the first over the bench for the power play? No. Was he the first over the bench for the penalty kill? No. Was he leading them in minutes? No. And Shea Theater may be there, but when it comes to a straight hockey perspective, when you talk Alex Petrangelo, and, and this is where it's non-negotiable with Petrangelo, you could talk to the eyes of hockey, you can talk to the analytics of hockey. This is one of those rare occasions where he is at the top in both. He is elite. And it's not a mark on Nate Schmidt. A lot of us aren't going to be as good as certain players. But from a straight hockey perspective, this is a huge upgrade for the Golden Knights in all areas uh, for a defenseman. Uh, Petrangelo is just, he's elite, and it's rare to get a player like this. And that's that's where, you know, as tough as it is to see a good guy go, this is about 
hockey. And that's, that's where I had to look to kind of, you know, put it in your mind and make sure you, you understand where Kelly and George were coming from. And this is a great deal. You know, Dan, and it's interesting, too, when you think about it, you, you wonder if there were other ways to do it. Basically, they traded Paul Stastny and Nate Schmidt. I mean, that's how they freed up a lot of money here over the last few days. You know, could you could you have got around it a different way? Well, they elected to do this. Now, I think with Stastny, obviously, they've got they've got, you know, younger quite frankly, cheaper players, they feel are ready to to knock on the door in that position. Um, you know, when they elected that, you know, Schmidt was going to be the guy that would have to be moved on from, uh, you know, to bring Petrangelo in. But, you know, they've been pretty good at, you know, this cap could be potentially for a lot of teams, you know, Kelly McCrimmonson, there's a lot of gridlock out there right now. Flat cap, teams have their own internal budgets. But that's basically what they did. They traded those two players to free up money to to bring in somebody like Petrangelo, and they're still, as of right now, a little bit over the cap. I, I would add Robin Leonard to that list. They, they and they, they kept him. They kept Robin Leonard. Yeah. And they added Alex Petrangelo, and they let go of Paul Statsny and uh, and Nate Schmidt. So that's yeah. a. Um, a, 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 one of the, the top five goalies in the league and one of the top five defensemen in the league. It's hard to say no to that. Sorry, Dan. I just I wanted to add Leonard to that. Well, yeah, because my thought, Gary, was the gridlock. You mentioned, Dave, part of the gridlock with the Golden Knights is Marc-Andre Fleury's contract at $7 million a year. And based off of Bill Foley's comments and Kelly McCrimmon's comments recently, the Golden Knights will plow forward with both Robin Leonard and Marc-Andre Fleury. You wonder if that was always the plan. If they might have had the chance to move on from some of that money, maybe they would have. That's not how it plays out. So uh, maybe the all the goalie movement around the league this year means uh, that the Knights just didn't have the opportunity. So we'll, we'll perhaps not know the full extent of that, but the, the goalie conversation is one worth having. When it comes to moving on from players that are beloved, Dave, I can only imagine, for instance, you know, teammates that were Shane's teammates. You win a Stanley Cup in 2011. You know, you're you're moving on the next year. Alex talked earlier today about the teammates he had in St. Louis. You're always going to be part of that group. Um, that group is never going to be the same. The next year, you're two down the road. It's a different group. And while the Golden Knights uh, have had a special group here, the business is to win a Stanley Cup. And Bill Foley has said that from the very beginning. And you have to take the emotional, sentimental side away from that equation. If the business is to win a Stanley Cup, you're going to have to make some of those hard decisions. And those that were made in the last couple of weeks here have moved the Golden Knights closer to a Stanley Cup championship as much it might pain the heart. On the goaltending part of it, so in Kelly McCrimmon's uh, press conference a couple of days ago, you know, he came out and said they're not going to trade Marc-Andre Fleury. Now, there's been so much, you know, the old saying where there's smoke, there's fire. There's been a lot of rumor they, that they were trying to move on from Fleury and the $7 million contract. There was talk of getting the three teams involved, the way they brought in Leonard, facilitate some of the money. They weren't able to do that. I think, guys, that I've always felt if they could keep both, that's the best scenario. Yeah, we've all and, talked about that yes, on this podcast. 100%. Yes. So... Now they're able to do that. Compressed schedule coming up whenever they start playing. And again, if that's not the best tandem in the league, Shane, it's right up there. And I was glad to hear Kelly McCrimmon say that yesterday. They were, you know, flat out, we're not going to trade him. 
And, and it's strange how some things worked out. We don't know whether the plan was, but I think this is this makes them stronger. Yeah, this yeah. makes it's them a better, a better team, team now. It's a better it's, team. Exactly. With, yeah. With those two goals, we don't know what next season's going to look like. If when or if it's going to start, but if it does, the one thing we all know is it's going to be compressed. You're talking four games in six nights. You're you're talking lots of hockey in a short period of time. Goaltending position, we know how important that is. We saw it. The you know, Golden Knights running into a hot goaltender twice. Um, it, it, you know, Andre Vasilevsky. What he did. You need good goaltending, and you're going to need it. Even more so from two guys. I think you, you look around the Pacific, there's a lot of tandems now with some moves that are very strong. And I don't think they're the only team that's looking at it as needing two goaltenders next season. Um, you know, think Flurry. Flurry's going to be 36 whenever they start. He's turning 36 here in, a, I believe, a month, within a month, somewhere in there. Um, age goes, but he's, I, I think he's going to be fired up. There's going to be internal competition. That's a good thing, too. Both these guys, Flurry still believes he can play. Leonard just got the contract, and that should hopefully bring out the best of each of them, which who does that play an advantage to? Well, the Golden Knights. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think also when you talk about, you know, the the trade, Dave, that you kind of shaped where you had Leonard and Petrangelo uh, in replace, and their salaries in replace of Schmidt and Statsny, well, you also got a four, conditional fourth-round pick back from Winnipeg, and you got a third-round draft pick back from Vancouver. If you hadn't gone the other way and moved Flurry, um, if we believe what we're told, you were going to have to hold salary and you were going to have to ship out a first-round pick and a second-round pick has sweeteners to make that deal happen. So the fact that they now have arguably the best tandem in the National Hockey League they will be salary cap compliant by the time uh, opening night uh, starts. That'll take care of itself, whether it's through um, sending someone to the American League or an injury, uh, whatever it is. It, it, it's a negligible um, a dollar amount right now. Um, they're way better off having gone this route. They, they, they brought assets back for Stats D and Schmidt. That, that they can use down the road. I forgot Carl Dahlstrom, who's a depth defenseman that uh, played games in Winnipeg last year and will look good in Henderson and be able to get to T-Mobile in 10 minutes if uh, if needed. Um, th- this was a way better route to go. Golden Knights uh, drafted six players in the uh, draft just recently, last week, including Brendan Brisson as the first-round pick in uh yeah, the Golden Knights did a little work there. They traded up to get a pick in the fourth round. And um, so, so much work that goes into this from a scouting standpoint and an amateur standpoint. And then, you know, we were there, guys, Shane and, and Gary at Rock Creek, where we did a couple of draft shows. And then on Friday, the free agency kicks in. And it's not until early the next week that they end up signing Alex Petrangelo. Let me ask you this, fellas, and one maybe closing thought here. So they've, they've made these moves. And... My question is, do they need more? Do they have enough? When you look, Shane, at their inability to, to score in the second half of that Vancouver series and the Dallas series. I know Kelly McCrimmon said, let's not overreact to it. And that's fair enough. But as they are constituted right now, what do you think? I think they're set. This is where you evaluate, right? It's not like you can't make a move if things don't go well. 
Yeah. But as of right now, I think they're constructed very well to be one of the best teams. Of course, you're going to, you know, you're relying on things. The emergence of Cody Glass. You're going to need some young players. Like, is Cody Glass, first of all, he's got to get healthy. He's strong. We know he's going to get stronger. He's going to mature. He's going to get quicker. All those things. But you sure saw glimpses of what could be with him. And I think he's going to be ready to step in the middle in that top six. Uh, at least he's going to be given opportunity. Then it's up to him. And, and I talk about this ad nauseum with you guys about as player, you opportunities when everybody wants. It's what you do with that. And you're going to see a defense. We saw Zach Whitecloud emerge. He, he could play top four if they need, or he's will be a great in that five six position. Nick was elevated. Alex Tuck. He could be, you know, if he comes and plays like he did in playoffs, which I think his game has taken that step needed. Uh, he's a top six guy that could be in that third line. Uh, and, you know, our fourth line is going to be constructed very similar. And, you know, we know their job. We know their role. This is a better team uh, that they have right now. It's a matter of, of execution about seeing them play, evaluate their play. And, uh, you know, you always you always hope they've, they've made all the moves they needed, but you never know. Yeah, and I would follow up with what you said, Shane, and Cody Glass. To me, that is where my eyes are focused the most. We, it's Everybody else is sort of a known commodity. We know Petrangelo. We know Leonard. We know all the those sort of question marks in terms of who they would keep, who they would let go. We know these guys. It's Cody Glass that is essentially going to replace Paul Stastny at the center position in the top six. And for the organization to finally take that stride, Zach Whitecloud... You know, it was Nick Hague earlier, but it was really Zach Whitecloud who has cemented himself as an NHL player. I think we can all agree, like he's he's an NHL defenseman now. Yeah, you that's can throw what Nick he is. on there too, and 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 that's the other one because he was brought in in the Eric Halla trade, so he's not a quote unquote homegrown guy. But you're exactly right; he's the one who's up from the American League to stay. So you figure Whitecloud, Glass, and Wah. For an organization to maintain a high level of play, again, you look at the organizations that have maintained it in repeated long runs, they have moved on from some of the veteran players when they have maxed out their money or whatever, and the young players have stepped right in. That's the next step to me for the Golden Knights, that you can have a young player step in this year and another one the next year and then another one. And it's it's tough because it turns into a revolving door of sorts. You get attached to players, but that's why the draft is so important. They keep Nosek, they keep Stevenson. You know, you, you have those guys that you'll need to supplement. But for me, I'm interested in if it's Cody Glass, we expect a lot from him. But which other guys might make that stride? Did we think that Zach Whitecloud was going to cement himself the way that he did? I'm not sure. Did we think that Nick Waugh was going to cement himself the way that he did? I didn't. So whether it's Cody Glass, you know, is Peyton Krebs in the mix? But which of those guys from the American Hockey League will take that stride, whether we expect them to or it's kind of out of the blue? That's where I'm interested to see how this team develops. Well, you just said the name, Dan. It's Peyton Krebs. Peyton Krebs is, it won't surprise me, I'm going to make a statement that uh, if I was still a columnist, I would uh, I'd hold on to this a little bit longer. <laughs> Pey- Peyton Krebs is going to make this team, and he's going to be a Calder Trophy candidate. He is a superstar in the making. He has got there's a quality about him that is different than. It's just he's got that it factor. Yeah. Uh, he can skate. He's got a great mind. He's for the game. He's hungry. I think Peyton Krebs 
is going to force his way onto this group and be a very special player from the beginning of his career onward. The lawman with a hot take. Oh, I, don't, I don't disagree. It's whether it's this yeah. year or next. Yeah. Just because be right. a little bit of pro has never hurt anybody. But I, yeah. I think when he does break in, you're exactly right. He's going he's gonna to be the type of player that uh, makes immediate impact. Well, I and think that, he has uh, to go back to junior, right, if he doesn't play here. So that, yeah. to me, is the I, – I, I think he gets a – I think Pete DeBoer was ready to use him in the Stanley Cup playoffs and uh, a veteran player who they thought was going to be hurt, you know, whatever was tight, loosened up, and uh, and Krebs didn't go. But I think Pete DeBoer and the coaching staff love Peyton Krebs. And you mentioned the American League and going back to juniors, we don't know what this season is going to look like. Now, the ECHL has started to put out starting dates, but the American Hockey League is nowhere close to that, whether it's, of course, with the Anderson Silver Knights or the league overall. Talk about the different junior leagues. There have been problems with the Quebec Major Junior League, with the virus, and so on and so on. So this year will probably lead to decisions abnormal from a regular uh, a regular time. So... All the more reason, in my mind, that Krebs would be on the team just because you want him here. You want him with the Golden Knights, um, and you don't know what the American League might look like. So I, I'm, I'm with you on that. All right, guys. Well, it uh, was enjoyable to chat with Alex Petrangelo, the newest of the Golden Knights, and, and a big day uh, yesterday in the history of this franchise, uh, bringing in a player of his caliber, the captain of the uh, Stanley Cup champion Blues from 2019, and he comes to Vegas uh, long-term, signing a seven-year deal. The Sheriff Lawless Some Guy Named Day podcast brought to you by Finley Automotive, Jaguar, Lincoln, Acura, and Chevrolet. Thanks to all. We'll talk to you next time on SLGND. SLGND.